Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go to the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunt your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwick and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about Wild Shape. So, Wild Shape is one of the iconic druid abilities in Dungeons & Dragons. The ability that druids have to turn into animals. However, it is a stupidly wordy complicated ability so it is very much worth the time to dedicate to going over how the hell it actually works so that being said let's go ahead and just dive right into it uh i'm not going to just read the full blocks of text i'm just going to go through uh certain sections of it to just talk about what it actually is instead of the words used because a lot of the actual text is left a bit more vague than I would like. So, first things first. You can use your action to magically assume the shape of a beast that you've seen before. So, it does require your action to transform, which is not ideal, but not the end of the world. At least it's not like a full minute transformation. So, the fact that the only limit on it, though, is the shape of a beast you've seen before in terms of like what you're able to transform into. There are a few other limitations, however. So you can only turn into a max challenge rating beast just depending on your class level. So if you are a second level druid, uh, which is also when you gain this ability, you can only turn into a maximum CR of one fourth and you cannot change into a beast that has a flying speed or a swimming speed. Then once you become fourth level druid, it upgrades to half CR and you can turn into something that can swim. And then once you get to eighth level druid, you can become a CR1 creature with no more limit on the movement. So you can fly, you can swim, you can run any of the things in any of those beast shapes. Now, also, you can use the feature twice each short or long rest. You get it back. So that also has some rather fun implications because you can stay in that animal form for a number of hours equal to half of your druid level rounded down. So let's say then that you are an eighth level druid, then you can stay in a beast shape for four hours hours at a time and you can do it twice before you actually need to take a short rest to gain them back however one detail that a lot of people don't understand or know about this is the fact that a druid is able to use them back to back so if you are let's say a bear then you can be a bear for, let's just stick with that 8th level druid example, you can be a bear for 4 hours, and then expend your second use of wild shape to just stay a bear for another 4 hours. So then you can just be a bear for 8 hours before you actually need to take a short rest and get that transformation ability back. That's a lot of bear. It it gets more. (laughs) So... The thing is, there is absolutely nothing that restricts a druid from taking a rest 
in their wild shape form because yeah you can just take a nap as like a cat or as your bear form if you want you can just do that and that's fine so that means then that let's say you know you're bear for seven hours take an hour nap nice little short rest and then you can just still use your two additional uses of wild shape to stay bear so you can just stay bear for that then 16 hours and there's no real like solid limit on that so where it does get a little bit fuzzy though is that you do need to expend the transformation at that uh you know the half your level hour limit so sleeping would be a little bit of an issue you might have to like get woken up to expend the wild shape again but like especially once you get to a higher level druid like once you get to level 12 so a level 12 druid could then be in shape for six hours and it is said uh just in the rules about long rests that a long rest requires at least six hours of sleeping and then just, you know, two hours of just light activity. So that's to, you know, have keeping watch be like part of a long rest without worrying too much about it. But anyway, so then that 12th level druid would be able to just be in shape for six hours and then still have you know second use, so they could just be twelve hours at a time. So once you become a twelfth level druid, it's actually not that hard to just stay in a beast form indefinitely, should you choose to do so. Like what's kind of funny to me though is that that actually is not something that I myself see happen very often. Like I have seen someone just like hanging out, like in animal form, just like you know jokey casual but like the idea of a druid who just truly prefers their wild shape forms like instead of like their human form or humanoid form i should say i don't actually really recall ever seeing that done like, which would be interesting what, I, what i'm thinking right is that it could might be like a certain sect of um druidism that does that which could be interesting to have in your world as like a world building thing yeah so you could have it be that like the specific druid circle perhaps that you know your druid is from is just like animals are flat out superior to people and like, so they can be just like a you know animal centrist and just okay i just want to be a giant eagle all the time you know <laughs> like uh you know, in Lord of the Rings, the giant eagles, you know, are, uh, you know, relatively well-known plot device to just make transport much easier. But if you really do just consider, like, D&D has giant eagles, and what's kind of odd about them is that they have sentience. Like, the official giant eagle is not just a large bird. It is a fully sentient creature that has, has its own freaking language of giant eagle, which is a lot to think about, really. But uh, anyway, the point, though, is that thinking about where that kind of thing can come from has some kind of interesting implications, which we'll actually touch on a little bit more on Thursday. Anyway, uh, back to Wild Shape, though. Uh, so now we're going to go into a bit of the actual mechanic bits because there are a lot of kind of fiddly details about this. Uh, 
So uh, you can be, I did mention, you know, how long you could be in the shape. You just half your druid level. But you also can revert back to normal as a bonus action on your turn. Or if you run out of hit points or fall unconscious or die. So there are a lot of important details that uh, need to be considered. So a high level druid who is in a wild shape will gain the stats of the creature with the exception of their mental ability scores. So intelligence, wisdom and charisma. So this is a very important thing to consider if you want to build a druid who is, you know, planning to wild shape a lot. Because some thing that I see oddly often is like a druid who puts some of their high stats in like their strength decks or con, which is strange because, yeah, sure, you know, you can just fight with weapons as any character. But it's really just not the most efficient thing to do for a druid. Excuse me. Because the fact that you do gain the beast's stats means then that like, if you do turn into a bear, then you are a bear with your intelligence, but the bear's physical abilities. So then all of a sudden, you'll just have a bear with a 19 strength, but your mind. So the fact that so many druids do put their stats into the physical ability scores is honestly just strange because you don't really need to. The only thing that you really shouldn't neglect is constitution just because that is your hit points. But even still, you get the beast's AC, so that doesn't really matter as much. And even when you do just decide to neglect your con, that actually can be okay it's just slightly risky because it's always good to have more hit points but the fact that you do take on the beast's abilities uh, when you transform into them is the next important thing for me to move on to so i mentioned you keep your mental scores you also get your skill proficiencies saving throw proficiencies and the creatures so that is massively important because let's say that you know you have you know proficiency in you know stealth and then uh, let's just say dexterity. I honestly don't remember for a moment what is uh, druids saving throw proficiencies, intelligence and wisdom. So, that's, so as a druid, you have intelligence and wisdom saving throw proficiencies. Then let's say you transform into some creature that is proficient with dexterity saving throws. Then you would have proficiency with intelligence, wisdom, and dexterity saving throws all. You would get, you know, your skills, you know, stealth, medicine, what, what have you, plus whatever the creature has. So maybe you have, I don't know, maybe a monkey that has sleight of hand for some reason. Like, you gain all of those things when you do turn into an animal form. Now, uh, one other nice thing about that. Let's say that you have a stealth uh, stealth of, uh, let's just say, six. But then you turn into some crazy, you know, dexterous thing that has a stealth of eight. You always will take the higher number, whichever it is. So if your ability would normally be better, you use that. If the animals is better, you use that. So uh, the next thing, oh, actually, uh, one more thing there. 
if you did turn into a creature that has legendary actions or lair actions, you are not able to use them because player characters, just because of the way the game was built with the action economy, are not supposed to have access to legendary or lair actions. Uh, oddly enough, though, there is one thing that is explicitly missing from that, which is a uh, legendary resistance. So many, many powerful creatures have the ability to just automatically save on saving throws some number of times a day, usually three. So you actually can get that if you were to turn into a sufficiently powerful beast. A quick tangent, I just realized I neglected a very important aspect to talk about here. Wild Shape lets you turn into a beast, which is a very specific category of monster in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Uh, one thing that is slightly unfortunate, though, is that through the additions, what creatures are beasts and what creatures are monstrosities or other things has changed a little bit here and there. So there are some creatures that used to be considered beasts, but now aren't, which makes me sad because that is one thing that was very entertaining for me when I used to play back in fourth edition. Uh, Nathan, do you know what a so creature called a boulette is? Basically land sharks, right? Land shark. So boulette in fourth edition actually was considered a beast. So a druid could turn into oh, a boulette. Cool. Right? That is badass. It's fucking awesome. And like, I understand that like some monstrosities do have a lot of powers that are in excess of a beast, but like this is one of those times where rule of cool really should be considered as a factor more, because like there are so many just creatures that exist in deity that'd be fucking cool if a druid could turn into, but by rules as written cannot. So like the boulette is always going to be the first one that comes to mind. But another fun one: uh, Are you aware of what a rock is? Our OC. Isn't it like some bird or something? I think you talked yes. about it before. Yes, probably. It's like massive I like, ass bird. I, yeah, I like rocks a lot. So like, yeah, the rock is just a massive, massive bird with like a two hundred foot wingspan. And in fourth edition, that was considered to be a beast. So a sufficiently powerful druid could turn into a rock, and that actually was like my party's primary mode of transportation in a high level fourth edition game years ago. Which was so much fun. Uh, another fun one. Uh, yetis actually also used to be considered to be a beast. So there was an entire subplot in a previous campaign of mine where a druid took the form of a yeti and ac accidentally became alpha of like a pack of yetis. And so all of a sudden they just had like kind of amazing. 81 yetis, I think it was, that just were uh, with them. Because they decided, no, no, we're not going to just leave them. We're going to take them with us and be their friends. <laughs> That's so, amazing. So, again, when you consider action economy... Yeah, so many moments can be created by having these odd decisions be exactly. available. So, in 5th edition, by rules as written, unfortunately, you cannot do any of those things. However, rule zero, DM rules. So... 
something that I do actually suggest just because I think it could be a lot of fun. So the normal rule of what you can turn into is just a beast that you've seen. It doesn't say how long, like a, by rules as written, if you just see a creature, you gain the ability forever to transform into it. So I would say as a DM that if you wanted to allow some kind of magic item to be created, like to give additional forms to a druid. I highly, highly recommend allowing such a thing just to make a limit of like, okay, you, you know, you get this magic item and then what it allows you to do is like, if you, you know, slay a creature and put its blood on so, the so magic wait. item that you can transform into it. Hmm? Sorry. Um, so... I was thinking, right? You, you told you 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 said earlier that it's an option for like druids that see certain animals and such can actually turn into these mm-hmm. animals. Now, wouldn't it be like a taboo thing because like it goes against like druidhood and stuff? But if, imagine in a world where there's zoos and stuff, you just take a visit there and then you just get all these amazing new um, yeah. <laughs> transformations. The rules as written druid would probably not be super fond of zoos, but from the you know economical standpoint of gaining additional animal forms, you are a hundred percent correct. That would be massively beneficial to a druid. Not to mention if they go to like a circus, like we talked about before, like they're well known for having exotic animals. So if you have just a druid just gain all of these handy animal forms, that would be quite nice for them. But yeah, but anyway, so having like a magic item that allows like one to three additional forms and then they would have to choose like, oh, do they, you know, give up the ability to turn into a boulette in order to, you know, gain some other thing they like. And you could also limit it to like just be monstrosities because a lot of those are beast like like there are definitely still limits that are worth keeping there but there are so many monstrosities especially that are bestial that i am disappointed that there is that restriction still or you could even like let there be a feat like let there just be a feat that a druid can take that like you can transform into beasts and monstrosities when you expend a use of wild shape like i'd also be okay with something like that but whatever you decide to do for your own games is of course up to you because there are a lot of monstrosities that can be considered to be quite more powerful than beasts, but I'm actually okay with that. And uh, we've tangented a lot. So let me actually get back to the mechanics of Wild Shape, and then we'll just uh, get back to this, this point in just a moment. Okay, when you transform, you assume the beast's hit points and hit dice. When you revert to normal form, you return to the number of hit points that you had before you transformed. This is one of the massive, massive benefits of the druid wild shape ability, especially at low levels. Can you tell me why? Is it because hit points? Because hit points. Yep. So... The brown bear is the most common thing that is used uh, among druids because that is a CR1 creature with multi-attack, good physical stats, and it's just a solid creature. So the brown bear has 34 hit points. A druid then 
can turn into this creature and just assume the bear's amount of hit points. Now, what is the very kind of tricky thing about druids here comes into play. So let's say that your druid has 20 hit points, just for the sake of argument. So if your druid turns into a brown bear, they have the bear's 34 hit points. However, in the event of the bear getting reduced to zero, you do not go unconscious. The bear is reduced to zero hit points, and that just breaks the transformation. So then, so let's say that you've, you know, your bear has 34 hit points. So let's say you take 40 points of damage. So the bear transformation breaks or is expended or some such thing. But you don't go unconscious. You would then take that leftover six damage. So that 40 damage, the bear ends the transform, uh, the bear transformation runs out, but you only take six hit points of damage, which is a massive reduction. Plus the fact that you can do this wild shape twice per short rest, which would mean then that for all intents and purposes, a druid who has who is strong enough to turn into a brown bear has an extra pool of hit points, kind of worth 68 additional hit points. And depending on the build that you choose for your druid, you can potentially have this as soon as level two. So a level two character could potentially get an additional 68 hit point effective hit points in combat. And that is the reason that a lot of people think that druids are almost broken at low levels because of that just massive, massive advantage. And it actually gets a little bit more ridiculous at the very high level. So I think uh, once a druid actually gets all the way up to uh, level 20, I think it is, that uh, druids, instead of only being able to shift twice per short rest, you can just wild shape infinitely, which would mean that, that as many actions as you have available, you can just keep turning into creatures, which would mean then that even if you kept getting knocked out of the transformation, you could still just be a massive, massive damage sponge of just just soaking in that damage. So even yeah, just, if you're just limited to the brown bear, yeah, so that's 34 hit points every turn that can be effectively absorbed through one action so in terms of like healing and action economy like even at 20th level that's nothing to scoff at but wait there's more so uh actually one uh, other limit before i move on that i do need to point out so it does explicitly mention that uh while you're transformed uh then you aren't normally knocked unconscious however there are a there is one kind of I, I don't know if I would even really call it a weakness, but just something that is important to be aware of. So there is a spell that exists, a ninth level spell called Power Word Kill. And what that spell does is what it says in the title. If a creature has less than 100 hit points, they die. No saving throw, no attack roll. Just if they have less than 100 hit points, they just immediately drop dead. 
So let's say that you are playing a high level game and have like a 20th level druid. The druid probably has like 150 hit points or so at that point. But if they're in animal form, in their wild shape, power word kill is almost certain to work against them because the beast form does not have the druid's hit points. So power word kill is dangerously effective against a wild-shaped druid. It is almost likely to be a no-save kill. All right, so moving on. There is a very important limit to being in wild shape, which is that you cannot cast spells, speak, or take any action that requires, you know, hands more like that the beast isn't able to do. So if you do have, you know, a bear form, for example, like, yeah, bears, you know, have claws and actually do have decent hand dexterity. But like, you can't have your bear pick up a sword because it just doesn't have like the right shape to really do that super effectively. On the other hand, if you were to transform into something like an ape, an ape has thumbs. So like as a DM, if you wanted to like build your druid around like having an ape with that actually like can put on armor and carry a weapon. But yeah, that's just totally fine with me because apes would be able to do that. But normally apes just don't have the skill or training to be able to wield a sword. But if you're a druid, then yeah, that's fine. I have no issue with that. Uh, however, there is, again, a very important uh, tangent on what I said a second ago. You can't cast spells. However, you can maintain concentration on a spell that you've already cast. So they even do explicitly use an example of one such spell in the description for Wild Shape, which is the druid spell Call Lightning, which is an amazingly effective spell. So that is a spell that is an action to cast, but has a 10 minute duration, you know, with concentration. And every single turn, you can choose to use your action to just call down a small bolt of lightning dealing 3d10 lightning damage over a small area. And a druid has the ability then to cast call lightning, then on the next turn, to just turn into wild shape form and then they can soak up the hit points you know soak up damage in wild shape and still keep calling lightning because one very important thing to understand wild shape is a magical ability it is not a spell it does not require concentration it cannot be counterspelled by an enemy magic user because wild shape is an ability not a spell. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, it does also mention that you can retain benefit of any of your features from class, race, or other source and can use them if the new form is physically capable of doing so. However, you do not gain special senses that you have, such as dark vision, unless the animal also has that sense. So that is a short couple of sentences that actually has a lot of very, very important data in it. So. Like I was talking about, you know, a ape being able to use a sword. You as a druid can have proficiency with a weapon. A normal ape in the wild does not. So this is the explicit rule that says you can still use the things that you know, the things that you're proficient with in your animal forms. But the fact that you don't get senses is also an important point worth consideration because while they mention that you can't use your special senses if the animal doesn't, it is also important to understand that the opposite is true as well. So if you are a human druid, a human does not have dark vision, but a lot of creatures do. So if you were to turn into a creature that has dark vision, then while you are wild shaped, you have dark vision which can be massively beneficial because there are quite a number of races that don't have dark vision. So gaining that ability through your wild shape can be massively, massively beneficial. Okay, and now we get to the uh, final paragraph in the actual wild shape text, which is you choose whether your equipment falls to the ground in your space, merges into your new form, or is worn by it. So worn equipment functions as normal. However, oh, so it actually adds AC? Yes, but there is a, a little limitation here. Uh, the DM decides whether it's practical for the new form to wear a piece of equipment based on the creature's size and shape. Your equipment doesn't change size or shape to match the new form. And any equipment that the new form can't wear must either fall to the ground or merge with it. And equipment that merges into the form has no effect until you leave the form. So what, what's Wizard's take on clothing? <laughs> I, so they are just leaving it up to a DM description, or decision rather. So yeah. clothes would probably just get merged in normally. However, 
there's always one specific item that is my immediate go-to for a druid, just because it's a hilarious thing for me to think about, which is the cloak of protection. Because if you have like a cloak of protection that just has like a very, very long or wide clasp, then if you use, you know, the classic bear transformation, then you can just say, you know, my clothes merge in with me, but I keep my cloak of protection on. Then you just have a bear with a cape. And that is hilarious to me. <laughs> and not to mention the fact that, that what's pretty a cloak of pro- <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> And then, and especially if you also consider that what a cloak of protection does is give a plus one to AC and saving throws, which would then mean then that any animal shape that would be able to keep that cloak of protection on. So if you do have, you know, an ape or a bear, like any of those medium and some maybe large creatures as well, could keep the cloak of protection on because a lot of animals don't have great AC because they're animals and they just don't because why would they so if you have this cloak of protection then that gives you the ac boost in your animal form which can be massively massively helpful because just there are so so many times where a hit can just be by the point so any time that you are able to get that ac boost can be super super helpful uh so moving on though it is also worth mentioning that uh we mentioned that there are the limits on wild shape of what you can turn into, as well as the inability to cast spells. However, that actually does change a little bit at level 18 for the spells. So they also gain a new feature, beast spells. You can cast many of your druid spells in any shape you assume using wild shape. You can perform the somatic and verbal components of a druid spell while in beast shape but you aren't able to provide material components. So that is a massive, massive upgrade once you are able to get to level 18. However, it's level 18, so that one really, really rarely comes up. But to use an earlier example, Call Lightning is a very good druid spell that only has a verbal and somatic component. So the fact that you would be able to cast that in a beast shape is fucking amazing. But the fact that you cannot cast anything that has a material component is slightly more unfortunate. Uh, It is worth consideration, though, that you aren't able to provide a material component just through the feature. However, if you are, say, an ape again, using that example, then you can just have the ape hold a staff for like that type of material component that just you know requires a focus that you know certain spells might so there are some ways around it again if you are just a creature that has thumbs so all that being said is the typical druid wild shape ability however i would be doing just the subject as well as all of you a disservice if i did not also mention a very, very important additional set of details, which is the druid subclass, Circle of the Moon. So subclasses in general often just grant extra abilities flat out. Druids are actually a little bit different in that what this one does is just change a bit how the 
wild shape feature works. So most of the abilities that it grants in this subclass are actually just tweaks to wild shape for the most part. So first things first, immediately when you choose this at level two, then wild shape becomes a bonus action instead of an action, which is hugely beneficial because trying to use up your action every single combat first turn unless you get advanced warning and can turn early but to change as a bonus action and then you could still have your action to say like sticking with the bear example to charge in and use your multi-attack without losing the action economy to transform is insane and if you also consider the high-level druid example, then that would mean then that even if they do get knocked out of wild shape form through damage, then they can still bonus action transform and attack. So it is a massively efficient use of action economy to pick the Circle of the Moon subclass. In addition to that, they gain the ability to uh, heal up a bit when they... Uh, expend spell slots as a bonus action while in wild shape. So you gain the ability to heal your animal form somewhat. However, the other ability that they get at second level is debatably even just even more powerful. You can use your wild shape to transform into a beast with a challenge rating as high as one. You ignore the max CR column of the beast shapes table, but must abide by the other limitations. So normally, you can only transform into a one-fourth, one-half, and then at eighth level, a one CR creature. But a Circle of the Moon Druid can turn into a CR1 creature immediately at level two. And... Just wait, there's more. At 6th level. 6th level is a huge one for Circle of the Moon Druids. Uh, there's two things that you get at that point. So first things first, your attacks count as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity. So a lot of creatures, well, not a lot actually, but a good number of creatures are just resistant to non-magical damage or flat out immune to non-magical damage so this is actually a very similar ability to what monks get to allow like a you know melee punchy slashy type character to actually still do their full amount of damage which is a very very nice feature but the second one is the most important starting at sixth level you can transform into a beast with a challenge rating as high as your druid level divided by three rounded down. So instead of being limited to just CR1 creatures at the max, a circle of the moon druid does not have that limitation anymore. So if you do max out a druid then, then once they're 18th level or higher, then that would then mean that they can transform into a creature as strong as a CR6. So just 18 divided by 3. So instead of a limit of CR1, CR6. Unfortunately, there is only one CR6 creature, which is the Mammoth. However, that is a creature with 13 AC and 126 hit points. And as a quick reminder, 
uh, high-level druid, especially if you do get all the way to 20, can wild shape an unlimited number of times, and then with this subclass, as a bonus action, which would mean every single turn they can refresh the use of wild shape to have a damage sponge of 126 hit points That's crazy. every single turn infinitely how do you fight against that <laughs> like again power word kill would be the go-to because then you just got to reduce it below 100 to cast that but the only other way would just be numbers action economy fucking rules because it does only have 13 ac so it's relatively easy to hit so if you had a massive force arrayed against such a party and again like if you're fighting against like a level 20 party then you are fully within your rights as a dm to pull out all of the stops all of the everything so in that situation, let's say you have just like a hundred archers arrayed against them would really kind of be what's necessary to deal with it. Because, yeah, that 126 sounds like a lot, but that's just to end the transformation. So you still have to deal with, you know, the 150 hit points or so of the druid. So you would have to in one turn deal somewhere around 270 points of damage to actually knock out this druid and that is just to knock them out that is not you know an auto kill situation still because again 20th level party will have all kinds of shenanigans and shit just to make that a little easier on themselves <sighs> so yeah <laughs> a circle of the moon druid is just insanely powerful especially once they get to high level but even at low level they're still pretty good because the ability for a second level character to do that bear transformation i mentioned twice just so that twice a fight they can just get 34 hit points 34 hit points it's really really tough to actually knock out like a well-prepared smart druid because just it's just so many hit points uh also just a kind of fun thing to keep in mind there exists a magic item called the amulet of health that has the effect of just transforming the creature's constitution to 19 with all the hit point boosts associated therein so it is possible then that if you are again just smart choosing your animal forms that you can just like choose a like if there is some beast that you like, but may not have like the best con score that, OK, if you do wild shape and choose to keep your amulet on, then the beast will have a 19 constitution. That's crazy. <laughs> Ain't a job like there's there's a good amount of just shenanigans that are possible with beast forms uh, that thing that i just mentioned with the amulet of health like it is a lot of fun to do but like one of the good things about beasts in general is that they usually do have a decent constitution to start with so it's only certain things where that really becomes relevant so like one 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 that i particularly like there's the uh what was it the giant constrictor snake so that is a CR2 creature, which is only accessible then to Circle of the Moon Druids, but that is a creature that normally has 60 hit points, but only has a 12 constitution. 
And I would be perfectly fine as a DM to say that, yeah, a snake would definitely be able to wear an amulet because it's a snake. So sure, why not? So that would boost its constitution to 19 from 12, which would mean it goes from a plus one con to a plus four con. And it has eight D12 hit dice, which would mean that that would gain 24 additional hit points with the Amulet of Health. So with that particular combination, then, a level six druid would have the ability to, instead of having a 60 hit point giant snake, would have an 84 hit point giant snake twice per short rest. (laughs) That's crazy. Yes. So... All right, so that was a lot of the rule side. I do want to also talk about the implementation, though, because this is actually one that is quite important to me from the world-building point of view. Yes, druids are massively powerful in combat. However, that is very important to not shoehorn them just in that because animals are freaking everywhere. So the other thing to consider, yes, you can turn into combat forms, but you could also turn into the humble spider. Yeah, any of just like the typical little things like, you know, fox, a squirrel, whatever is just like the normal little creatures that you see. And especially if you do consider that, again, any animal that you see, you're able to transform into. So whatever is common in the area you're in, you could just transform into so if you wanted to just like okay like i just want to hide out underwater turn into a crab and just kind of hide out turn into a fox if you wanted to you know scout out something and also you know run decently um you know turn into a frog whatever the case may be like that just is a thing that you'd be able to do uh also it's fun to consider that if you do turn into something like a horse then you like even if you know you're in an area where you may not be able to buy a horse or if you just don't have the gold for it yet at level two then if the druid just transforms into a horse then they might be able to carry one or potentially two other pcs so that can make it way easier to transport the party for more cheaply like before you can get horses for everybody if the druid just acts as transport for a while not to mention just hmm? i don't think a lot of people would be okay with doing that though which is strange to me because it's really efficient and like i don't know if you have any like much younger siblings or cousins or anything but like most of the time you're fine just giving someone a piggyback ride but if you are able to turn into like a horse or a camel or some such depending on your terrain like i don't really see it as much different as just like you know helping out a friend giving a piggyback ride like i don't see that as like demeaning or any such thing but that's certainly true that that could just be my own biases there or anti-bias i don't know what the right word for that would be anyway technically it is a bias but yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, positive bias (laughs) uh yeah no, no, open, I yeah think that's i don't know weird. anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> but anyway so uh the point that i want to get at though is you can have your animal form scout especially once you get past eighth level and can turn into something that can fly because then you could just turn into like a normal sized you know owl or eagle or raven whatever is like the normal bird in the area that you're in like or you could even check out 
like or yeah or the the humble chicken like or another fun thing that you could do like um, you could have a whole situation where like oh my god your druid just just finds i'll let you go first go ahead so i was thinking right in that case could it could it be wouldn't it be funny if just like one like like imagine if um think think of druids as as like you know crazy naturalists and stuff and then one day Mm -hmm. it's just like you're 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 yeah, farm farmer or something, and then you go to the chicken pen, like feeding the chickens, and then one day you just one of the chickens just looks at you weirdly, and you're like, "Fuck, <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, it might be as 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 um uh, old, old Jimmy down down the road said um some of his <laughs> chickens vanish one day. He thought it was the wolves, but I think it might be a druid, man." <laughs> and that is a very important thing that I was actually about to lead up to, which is. A paranoia is it's worth considering as a DM, just like how familiar are people with the abilities of druids? Like, do people know any random creature might be a druid? And like, what possible safeguards might exist to deal with that? Because druids would be some of the most effective spies in the world because they even have the figure of speech you know boy if i were a fly on the wall for that one but a druid could fucking literally be a fly on the wall so you could literally just have a druid in the room able to listen in on a conversation and then just depending on you know the druid you might be able to just be in there for hours listening in no and and yeah. Like the crazy thing is that you, you don't even need to be um like the the person even if somebody's like okay let's fucking kill the fly and the least the druid's like fuck I I'm, I'm back in my human form time to run. <laughs> yeah. Just not to mention that you know if you are you know a fly or a spider then you can just like you know crawl under the crack of the door or crawl out the window really quick. Yeah. It's you know not or you could really even gonna potentially be noticeable Yeah. Or like you could potentially just uh use your second use of wild shape and just like in spider form just hop out the door or hop out the window rather and then just like mid fall just like turn into a raven and then fly away and yeah good fucking luck just like hitting a raven flying away and for anyone to just notice that in the first place is really low odds oh, no can you imagine like okay yeah yeah in the embassy or some bullshit right and then like this guy runs out with papers in his mouth like as a bird and then suddenly like there's five hawks that appear behind them it turns out it's like this protective squad of druids guarding the place as well and then you have that whole like i'm fairly certain there's a bunch of fantasy stories where you have two wizards or something that can shape shift mm-hmm. and they chase each other and different animals and you can play that out Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can just have all kinds of chase shenanigans with a druid. Like, true, it would definitely be, you know, more fun if you did have a level 20 druid with unlimited wild shapes. Because, boy, would that get nuts. Because then they're just like, oh, shit, you know, run in horse form, just, you know, as fast as you can. Turn into, you know, raven form. To I go- mean, that's that's classic medieval fantasy. It is. And, like, it's amazing to me that like so much of the versatility of a druid wild shape is underutilized in a lot of the games that i have played in yes you know you can use it for combat and like we talked about at length in this they're really good in combat but even besides that 
the versatility is the important thing that you can just turn into a creature that can swim that can fly that you you can use to spy or scout or explore or just you know imagine just the benefit of just turning into an eagle and just flying up a couple hundred feet and then you can just from that high up with eagle eyes to just be able to see, you know, oh shit, you know, there's some orcs over there, some goblins over there. Uh, oh, that's interesting. It looks like there's, you know, a fishing village that doesn't appear on the map. I guess it's either just too small or might be new. Like that could be a thing to it. Like you could use it to just see your options in game. Like as a mechanic, you could use that as a benefit as a DM to allow the druid to scout to show them things that the PCs would normally just blunder into or past. Uh, anyway, uh, I got a little bit distracted with all that. Uh, there are also some other just uh, details to keep in mind for the uh, Circle of the Moon Druid, which is besides beasts. So I did mention that I would like if there were more other things that could be transformed into. And the Circle of the Moon is the only subclass that does actually grant that. Kind of. A 10th level Circle of the Moon Druid also gains Elemental Wild Shape, which allows them to use two uses of Wild Shape at the same time to transform into one of the basic elementals. So Air Elemental, Earth Elemental, Fire Elemental, or Water Elemental. And as we saw in Riftwake, a Fire Elemental, like even the most basic version that we fought on the show, can be a massively dangerous creature to fight against. So to have a creature like that, to have like the toughness of an earth elemental or the damage capacity of the fire elemental is yet another just massive boon to the Circle of the Moon Druid. But even besides the Circle of the Moon, even if you are just a normal, just any other subclass of Druid, even the most basic uses of Wild Shape allow an ability to scout, explore, spy, and even decent combat potential that is really, I feel, underappreciated. And I do just highly recommend that more people try out a Druid and just have some fun with some animal shenanigans. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars those a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Support and get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we will chat with the cast and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwick, on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast, and... You can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandyrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.